Hey, my name is Jason. I'm the producer of Relationship Radio. I wanted to let you know that we have a brand new website solely dedicated to working on your pies. Introducing itstartswithattraction.com. You can listen to every episode, learn about the pies, and sign up for our weekly newsletter. Go to itstartswithattraction.com. It starts with attraction, one word. It starts with attraction.com to get signed up today. When you have a spouse that is cheating, it can be completely overwhelming because you don't even know the questions to ask, where to start. Your heart is hurting. You're scared. There's so many emotions that go into that. Two of the main questions that we hear at Marriage Helper when people find out that they have a spouse who's cheating on them is they want to know why it's happening and they want to know how they can stop it. My name is Kimberly Holmes. I'm the CEO at Marriage Helper. And I'm joined today by Dr. Joe Beam, the founder and chairman of Marriage Helper. And as we open this show today, we're going to spend a couple of minutes talking about this topic specifically, because it's one that we get so much. We get so many questions about it, of how can I stop my spouse from cheating? But more than that, how can I know why it happened so that we can keep it from happening again? You see, if you want to start with that first part of why is this happening? Why is my spouse cheating? There's actually two reasons that we see at Marriage Helper that someone would have an affair. One is that there might be a sexual drive for it. And the other is that there might be an emotional drive for it. Now, let me explain what that means. There are different ways that affairs can start. Sometimes they know someone at work. Sometimes they go to a nightclub and they get involved in the wrong kind of situation. And when we look at how affairs start, we can see which kind of affair it kind of is, so to say. One that's primarily sexual driven, where someone's looking to fulfill that physiological need. They're just wanting sex primarily, and that's what the affair ends up being mostly about. And then that second one is the emotional one. Now, this one, it typically starts as a friendship. Maybe the two people work together, they see each other at church, I mean, however it might be, they start first by forming a relationship, a friendship of some kind. And from that, the person, the married person, maybe your spouse, if you're in this situation, begins to open up to the person, feels feelings about this other person that's listening to them, that's treating them with this respect and friendship that they haven't felt in a while and then begin to open up even more. And over time, it evolves into what we would call at Marriage Helper, an emotional affair. Now, the specific situations of why all of these things happen, I mean, you could go really in depth for many of those. And we don't have the time right now to navigate and explain how all of those situations can happen. But if we're going to sum it up, it would be those two instances that quote unquote, lead in to an affair. Now, me just telling you that, I don't know that it's going to make you feel any better. Maybe it would, but sometimes people hear that, and especially if they know that their spouse is in an emotional affair, it can make them feel even worse by saying, well, I could have done something to prevent this. Why didn't I do something to prevent this? If I was a better husband, if I was a better wife, then maybe my spouse wouldn't have felt the pull and the drive and the need to have an extra marital relationship apart from me. And what we know at Marriage Helper is no one is perfect, number one. There's no perfect wife. There's no perfect husband. And while you can look back and think of a hundred things that you wish that you would have, could have, should have done differently, today, none of that matters. Because today, you can change what you're doing going forward 
even if you can't change what you did going back. Now, there's definitely value in knowing the things that you've done in the past and what you should change, but you shouldn't beat yourself up about it because that's going to inhibit you from being able to move forward. And what we know, Dr. Beam, Joe, at Marriage Helper, is the best thing that we can do when we're trying to move forward when our spouse is having an affair. Well, let's maybe put it this way first. What is the worst thing we can do when we find out our spouse is having an affair that we see, that you have seen with your many years of experience, that most people first do when they find out their spouse is having an affair? Well, that's, that's too broad a question, so let me try to answer it this way if I may. When people focus on trying to save the marriage, like this is what I'm focused on, that's what I'm going to do, almost inevitably they wind up doing the wrong things mm. because they'll wind up pleading and whining and begging or confronting or thinking that somehow I can manipulate you out of this or I can punish you enough that you'll stop this. Mm. And so we say that the worst thing you can do if you want to save your marriage from an affair is to focus on trying to stop the affair or to say a different way to focus on trying to save the marriage. Now, as you heard Kimberly, understand, I'm going to use a little different words here from May. The, the first motivation for an affair is not necessarily sexual. It manifests itself sexually. But the motivation might be that somebody wants to violate the rules. The motivation might be that somebody's saying, I want to punish my spouse for whatever he or she did. And so it manifests itself sexually, but it's not always motivated by sex. And the second one, to modify the phrases a little bit, if I may, we call a relational affair. And a relational affair can have two different dimensions. One is the emotional, where that they don't actually get physical with each other. And the other is where it's they do get physical with each other, but it's really about the relationship. And so as Kimberly was explaining, if indeed it's primarily, a, if you can cut to the touch out of both of us, I can talk to Kimberly and appreciate that. Thank you. And so primarily it has to do with either it's motivated by something that is um, actually comes out as sex and, go, and so it comes primarily a sexual thing, no matter what it's motivated by. Or the other is motivated by the relationship. And if indeed you try to stop it, if that's going to become your motive, that's not going to work. So what is the right thing to do? If it's not trying to stop that, then what's the right thing to do to stop it? (laughs) Well, first of all, I just want everyone to hear what you said and let it sink in before we get to that next part. If your motivation, if the, what do you call it? The focus illusion Wrong. Well, and this would not be a focus illusion, though. If the, but if your focus of this is, I'm going to stop it, if that is your motivation, your intention behind it, then think about this for a second and understand something. Every action you take, every response you give to your spouse, if that's what you're primarily thinking of, then it's going to be leaning towards that way. And the reason it's not going to work, because you might be thinking, well, how is it a bad thing to want to save my marriage? How is it a bad thing to focus on wanting to stop the affair? Because if that's your intention, you're going to appear desperate. You're not just going to appear desperate. You're going to be desperate because you're going to try and take control of a situation that you have absolutely no control of. It's going to affect the way that you speak to your spouse. It's going to affect the way that you see the circumstances around you. Everything is going to be affected. That's why we're saying if you make that your intention, your motivation, if that's what you guide everything around, it's not going to work. Because what you have to realize is that the only thing that you can control is yourself. You can't control what your spouse is doing. You can't control the fact that there's an affair going on. You have no control over whether or not it continues or stops. You don't. The only person that you have any control over is yourself. So that is why what we teach at Marriage Helper is if in this type of situation, the best thing that you can do is focus on 
you. Not because you have the ability to change the situation, but because you only have the ability to change yourself. And that's why we teach the importance of the pies, focusing on being the best that you can be in four areas of your life. We call them the four areas of attraction. There's physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. We have a ton more about that. You can go to our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash marriage helper, and you can find more videos. We released one just a couple of weeks ago on the pies, where I go a little bit more in detail on each area of that and how you can apply each of those in your life. But the bottom line of it is this. You might be sitting there thinking, how is my spouse going to know that I'm changing? Why does this matter to me right now? Here's why. You do the pies first and foremost for you because it changes your focus. When your focus becomes on being the best that you can be, then physically, intellectually, emotionally, spiritually, you're taking care of yourself. The chaos and the high emotions and the stress and the worries that come with just focusing on your spouse being in an affair will start to diminish. You'll begin to feel like you can start to take control back of your own emotions and your own life because you're focusing on these things that you need to be focusing on, the areas of the pies. Joe, we got an email from one of our clients overseas, one of our international clients. There's a ton of people joining us even on this show today, our Marriage Helper Live show in Germany and all across the world. And so we got an email from an international client over the weekend saying she found us on YouTube. She watched your videos of how to choose between a lover and a spouse and a difference between love and limerence. And from that, she said, I realized what I needed to do, even though my husband was involved in an affair, was I needed to work on my pies. And she said she did that and it's made an amazing change. You have a person whose husband is still involved with someone else, but she's seeing amazing change because she is working on her pies and she's eternally grateful for what she's learned. And it's amazing. Yeah, so if I can summarize quickly, because we've kind of gotten more into this than we needed to, which is this. If there's an affair that's occurring, it's going to either be because of the fact that it's going to manifest itself primarily sexually, no matter what motive is driving it, or it's going to manifest itself in either emotions or sexually, but being driven by the fact of looking for the relationship, a different relationship than they have with you. And so the best thing you can do is not focus on trying to change them. Kimberly said that very well, but that you focus on you becoming the best that you can be. And you're saying, but I need to stop what they're doing. The best thing you can do is focus on the only thing you can do, which become the best that you can be. And so hopefully we've made those points and you heard that and that becomes summary. Now, if you want to talk to us on this program, please call 657-383-0812. That's 657-383-0812. And if you wish to talk to us, be sure to press the number one when you hear the, uh, the first answer there. And then our screen will get to you and get you into the queue so we can talk. So to begin with, we're going to go to Mike, who is in. Okay, Mike, what's going on there, my friend? Hello. Okay, I'm not, that, 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 uh, I can't handle that noise in the background there, Mike. And so if you can stop that noise, I'll come back to you here. Okay, are you there now? Yes. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know what that noise is, but it's going to make it impossible to hear, Mike. So we're going to go over here to Mary, who is in Illinois. Hi, Mary. How may we help you today? Hi there. Um, first of all, I want to thank you so much for all of your help before even speaking to me. I have watched your podcast and I mean, listen to your podcast and watch your videos and you've been very, very helpful. I have, Good. I found out about a year ago that my husband was having an affair um, shortly after or a few months after 
uh, he swore he ended everything. A, a few months mm-hmm. later, we moved out of the area. So that assured me, you know, just by logistics of it all, it, it, it could not continue. But I'm mm-hmm. still having a hard time trusting. And he's going away on a business trip very soon. And I'm, mm-hmm. I am very worried that it will continue. And my questions are, how do I trust him again generally? And uh, secondly, um, for this trip coming up, do I confront him with my feelings prior to that? Or do I just keep quiet and let it play out? Um, let me ask you, you a know, question about that. Why, why do you use the word confront? I mean, if you're trying to show them what you share, what you feel, I mean, you use the word confront. So why are you choosing that particular I, word? I do. Um, uh, yeah, I, I guess that was actually a poor choice of words. It, it, it just, it, it's hard for me. To, it's always been hard for me to share my feelings with him anyway, prior to finding out about the affair. Um, mm-hmm. And so I've tried to, you know, put my big girl pants on and say what I think and believe and feel. And it always feels like a confrontation. So that's probably that why I you're saying that it? word. Are you doing it like a confrontation? Are you accusing him? Are you being strident in what um, you say? Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm really not a confrontational person. That's not my mm-hmm. nature. So I, I don't think that I am. I don't, but it feels like I am. Does that make sense? Okay. It feels no. like I have to work it up, you know, work up enough courage or strength. No, it's to not bring helping it me up. understand this. It's not helping me understand. So when you talk to him, are you talking to him like mm-hmm. this is what I feel and trying to explain what you feel? Or are you talking to him in yeah. terms of what he does? Like you did this, don't you do that? Which no, of those two do you no, do? No, I, 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 I say it, this is how I feel. And, and it often is pretty perceived as um, an accusation. And, and what do you mean? How does he respond? Um, he's often angry. Okay, so if you just say, I worry about this, he responds with anger? Oftentimes, yes. Okay. Now, Kimberly, let's get into this in detail when it comes to conversation. It's always appropriate for a person to tell what they feel. Mm-hmm. Oh, sure. Absolutely. Okay. And so what would you think would be happening if the other person responds, if I'm being calm and say, I feel this, why do you think the other person might react with anger to a statement like that? Well, there's a defensiveness happening within them. So it may be that they know that they're doing that. They don't want to change. They feel guilty. They, I mean, there could be a lot of emotions he's feeling inside, but it's coming out as defensiveness, right? I mean, for whatever reason. Correct. For whatever reason. Right. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry? She said right. She yeah, was right. that's how it okay. seems to me. It's always appropriate. And when it comes to being trusted okay. or being trustworthy, then there are certain things you have a right to ask for. Mm-hmm. You can say, like, I, I need this or these things. You know, try not to make this too many things because then it becomes unbearable. Right. It's like you become a child. But it's always appropriate to say, this is what I need so I can feel comfortable. So I can feel safe and, and to be able to say, I mean, do you understand why I would worry about this? Now, if you do, then I'm asking this for me. And that would be that you 
do the following. Like maybe uh, if you're going to be late, you call me. I mean, you, you could set up certain things here that you would establish. And it's always appropriate to say, and while you're gone, I'm going to be worried. Therefore, here's what I'm asking from you. Will you contact me at night? And if he says, you're just attacking me, then you say, I'm sorry if I come across that way. I don't mean to be attacking you. I'm not actually making this about you. I'm making this about me. This is what I feel. This is where I hurt. And I'm asking if you will do this for me. That's good. Okay. And we're going to try Mike one more time in Pennsylvania. Mike, let's see if we can hear you this time, my friend. Okay. Are you there? Hi. How are you? Fine. We were having trouble hearing you a minute ago. There was some kind of weird noise going on. Are you there? Yes. Can you hear me? Yes. How may we help you? Uh, Quick background. The LO was my best friend for a year. I only knew him for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, on March 12th of this year, one year after we met him, my wife came home from work and said she was leaving. Four days later, I found out she was living with him. She moved right out, had divorce papers, everything disconnected in, within two weeks. Mm-hmm. I have not been an obstacle for seven and a half months. The only thing we talk about is divorce. We don't even talk to each other about that anymore. We use my attorney. Mm-hmm. I've off- She wants a divorce really bad. Mm-hmm. And I offered her divorce for the workshop once and she ignored me the second time she said no but my question is i have six more months that i can drag this divorce out if i can get her to the workshop and the workshop doesn't change her immediately i'm fairly confident she's going to marry him she's already engaged to him Uh so i guess my question is should i continue to drag out the divorce or get her to the workshop which one's more important do you think that she's going to wind up marrying him if you don't come to the workshop Yeah, but she can't do it for six more months. So I was hoping mm-hmm. the will wear off within the next six months. Mm-hmm. Well, it could. There's always that possibility. But but the only thing that I know that we can offer this is here's what might make the best intervention would be our workshop. It's the most powerful thing that we do. We certainly can't guarantee that it will work. But if you think right. that the ultimate consequence is she's going to wind up marrying him anyway, then, then I'm guessing the only thing you're asking here is, do I need to wait longer just hoping that time will cure this? Or do I need to go ahead and do something now realizing that I'm rolling the dice and it's going to happen one way or the other? But you're actually thinking altogether about the consequence that she's going to marry him. That's what you're really focused on here, right? Yes. Okay. It's in the, the relationship together. Has anything begin, uh, begun to change whatsoever as far as you know? Um, as far as I know, no. Okay. And so what makes you think that six more months would be enough time to make a difference? I don't, I'm just, I'm I'm just hoping that Mm -hmm. in six more months would be a year since she's been with him, living with him. And the Mm -hmm. affair was probably going on for three to six months before I found out about it. And I Mm -hmm. was just hoping that it would start to deteriorate. It may, there's always a possibility. Of course, it may not. Sometimes it lasts a lot longer than that. So it, what I'm hearing you say is your decision is between doing nothing and hoping everything works out or doing something and hoping that things work mm-hmm. out. Didn't it really come down to that? Yeah. Okay. So which one makes more sense to you? Probably get her at a workshop. <laughs> well, it's your decision, not ours. It's not. <laughs> it's not correct. It's up to you. I mean, we were asking you the question. <laughs> no. 
Yeah, we're not trying to tell you what to do. No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, in this situation, though, this, I mean, first of all, you still have to get her to agree to come to the workshop. And that could take three or four more months. And then by the time you get to that point, you know, it could be up to the six month mark when you finally get here. But we always recommend, um, you know, it's this is a common thing we hear of there's the underlying premise of it is a fear of it not working. I mean, what if I get her to the workshop and it still doesn't work? Well, even if that happens, you've done something as opposed to just sitting there doing nothing and hoping that works which doesn't have a good track record. So I would put the 77% success rate against the 0% track record any day of the week. But we, we definitely feel for you. We are, encourage you and we're here for you to help you in that journey as you're moving forward, however, absolutely however we can. But obviously it is your choice, my mm-hmm, friend. Absolutely. And whatever you do, do it with this mindset. I'm going to do what I think is the wisest. Mm-hmm. And if it does not turn out the way I wish it to, I'm going to take comfort in the fact that I did what I thought was the wisest thing to do. That's right. Okay. And then we're going to Sean in Texas. Hi, Sean. How may we help you today? Hi. Just give me a second. I'm sorry. Uh, Sorry. Uh, My headphones don't work well as speakers. I mean, as a microphone. And I'm kind of coming off a little bit of a cold, so bear with me. Uh, (laughs) Okay. Okay. my wife had an affair back in uh, May. Well, actually, it was uh, between like March, but I found out in May. Um, she, <clears throat> the affair's uh, broken up now. The guy's no longer in the picture, but she left uh, me and took uh, my daughters to go live with her parents. Mm-hmm. Now she's saying that she wants to come back. Uh, <clears throat> she wants to come back and live here with me, but not to be with me, but to uh be with her sons again um uh, i've got our son she's got our daughters mm-hmm. now i don't want to look at a gift horse in the mouth but you know come to find out that she's actually cheated on me even earlier in our marriage and we've been married for almost seven years so i'm kind of torn whether to go ahead and let her come back and I've been the one standing for the marriage since then, but it's been very difficult lately. She has not even tried to talk to me about much of anything. Mm-hmm. Just all of a sudden, she wants to come back with the, she wants to come back for the kids. So, do you want to divorce her? I don't. She's the one who keeps okay. bringing it up, and I've all been right. holding off on her about it, uh, putting it on her to have her find a job, have her you know get herself set up before we even think about bringing up papers mm-hmm. on this. And so far, that's all. If you too. if you don't want to divorce her, why wouldn't you want her back in the house with you? I don't know. <laughs> I, mean, I guess I'm afraid I'm I'm getting hurt again or something, or just being toyed around with. I understand that, and I do. And we don't want people to feel like they're being walked on, they're being used in some fashion because that hurts. But I mean, is that actually going to hurt any more than the hurt that you're experiencing already? Tell you the truth, I don't know. Okay. I was uh, I was almost getting to uh, a kind of normalcy here, but uh, but my boys aren't doing so well without her here, so they mm-hmm. need her, and mm-hmm. so it's. I know it's. Been if, I, if I do, if I do let her, if I do bring her back here, if I do, if I do move her back over here, what can I, what can I do from that? Do I, do I need to put 
boundaries on her? Do I need to, <clears throat> I don't want to control her, but mm-hmm. I want to protect myself. You know, Sean, how long has she been moved out? Um, uh, I want to say about maybe three, four months. You know, boundaries is a huge thing. We get questions about it all the time. My recommendation at first would be just see what it's like. I mean, at this point, you don't know. In your mind, you might be painting pictures and have all these scenarios painted out of what might happen, what she might say, what you might need to do. But right now, you don't know. I would focus on, you know, working on those pies, thinking about becoming the best you that you can be. And you've already said it. You know that your kids need both of their parents and they probably are missing each other when you take siblings apart that's a that's a huge thing as well they're they're being affected you're being affected um i would be focusing on that right now and when she comes back if that's the route you choose to take when the when her and your daughters move back in just do what you can to be the positive person in that group you're focusing on your pies and just see how things play out and then after you figure out what the rhythm is what things are like what's really going on then you might want to talk to someone maybe one of our coaches however that might look of okay now what are the stops that I need to put into place that's our word that we use at marriage helper for boundaries what are the things that I might need to do but right now the truth is you don't know right it's a whole lot more likely that you can fix the marriage if you have access to each other than if mm-hmm. you don't. And if she's living yeah. at home and at least being at least being civil, that actually increases the likelihood that you guys can have the kind of mm-hmm. conversation, kind of conversations. I'm trying to say mm-hmm. that can fix this. Now, if you ask the question about, well, is it worth it that she comes back for the sake of the kids if she's not coming back for me? Then you know, obviously that's a decision you have to make for yourself. But we're kind of prejudiced about that, absolutely, because we're definitely pro kids. Mm-hmm. And if that's good for the kids, then in in the short term, perhaps medium term, hopefully even long term, mm-hmm. then that's a good step. Mm-hmm. And it's not like you're saying, I don't matter. You certainly right. do. But it's like, we've got some priorities here and these kids need these things. Mm-hmm. So it, it appears to me, and, and I think Kimberly said it extremely well, but it appears to me that there are a lot more pros to this if she would come back and live in the house than there are cons. As always, it's your decision. But if you if you do agree to that, mm-hmm. please don't go around thinking she's not here for me. She's not here for me. If you concentrate on the negatives, you'll be negative. Mm-hmm. So concentrate on the positives. She's here. She loves her children. Hmm. That means there's some good things going on inside of her, at least to, to a degree, if she loves her children. And now we have access to each other. And so if you do it, don't focus on the negatives, my friend. Focus on the positives as much as you possibly can That's right. so that you do the right things. And as Kimberly mentioned earlier about the pies, and those things, or needing a coach, or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm, absolutely. Okay, and then we're going to go to Amber in California. Hi, Amber. How may we help? How may we help you today? Um, uh, yes. Uh, mm-hmm. Can you hear me? Yes. Mm-hmm. Hello. Yes. Oh, okay. Can you hear us? <laughs> yes. Um, okay. I had a question. I had um, been with my spouse for about fourteen years, married for eight. Um, right after I gave birth to my two-month-old, he moved out and is living with a co-worker that he's had an affair with. Um, I just wanted to know what the possibilities would be because he's been very angry, very rude. He hasn't paid her mortgage. Like, he's just he's completely did, like, a 360 on me. Hmm. Okay, Kimberly, uh, 
help us out here because I couldn't hear. So uh, she has a two-month-old, very mm-hmm. precious. And, I heard that. Yeah. <laughs> and her husband moved out right after she gave birth to her two-month-old and has done pretty much a 180 stop to paying mortgage, helping with bills, different things like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know what was coming after that. Okay. The question we see on our screen here, she's asking how can she how, – how to tell if an affair will last or not. Is that your question, Amber? Yeah, yeah, because he's, I mean, they work with each other every day, and now they're living with each other every day, so I just, I don't know if he, it, it almost feels like it's an obsessive relationship versus something that's really true. Hmm. He he probably is obsessed with her. By the way, what what are you doing about the fact that he's not paying the mortgage? Are you making, are you taking some action there? Um, I ha- I don't want to piss him off anymore, so I've been leaning mm-hmm. on my family a lot to help. Hmm. How smart do you think that is? Not. <laughs> okay. If you allow a person to do something they shouldn't be doing, then then basically you're giving permission. And so if you're leaning on your family to make the mortgage payment when he's supposed to be making the mortgage payment, then in a sense, maybe actually more than a sense, you're facilitating his behavior. Um, you're, you're helping that happen. And so... Well, that's always your decision is what you do. Right now, I don't know that the question has to be about, will this piss him off more, to use your language. I think that the question has to be, what's the right thing to do to call to accountability? And, I mean, you have a baby. You you need to be taken care of, and he has certain obligations there because he fathered that baby. And so sometimes, as we as Kimberly was saying when we first started the program, if you start focusing on how do we save the marriage or how do I stop this affair, you wind up doing the wrong kinds of things because you you act as if you're being desperate, and sometimes you will be. And so our suggestion would be, okay, be strong, do the things we talk about, work on yourself, become the best that you can be. But there's nothing wrong with causing a person to accountability when he or she has responsibilities. And you actually can work in just the opposite direction if you don't let them, if you don't make them, I guess I should say, makes the wrong word. If if you don't call people to accountability, you can aid and abet the behavior they're doing that they shouldn't be doing. And so your fear, your fear here is probably preventing you from doing something that you need to do. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that, Kimberly, or not? Sure. It is a hard yeah, place no, to be. No, I agree. But okay. I do agree. Now, when, I don't know if you know our, my story or not, but back a long time ago, I left Alice and uh, I divorced Alice and was going to go off and, and do some other things. And she stood up to me. And my first reactions were pretty strong. Like, how dare you treat me like that? You know, how dare you have your lawyer do this and et cetera, et cetera. And so she was tempted in the short term to just back off and let it go because of the fact that it was making me angry. But she stood her ground. And in the long term, the long term, her standing, her ground actually became more attractive. Mm-hmm. It's like I can't run over her. I can't treat her as if she has no value. She's not going to let me do that. Mm-hmm. And so in the short term, going to make the other person angry? Yes. Push them further away from you? Yes. But sometimes you need to do those things, even if it pushes the other person away, because of the right thing to do. Now, coming back to the other question she asked about, well, is this affair going to last or not? Hmm. How would you respond to that? I wish I knew the absolute truth answer to that question. I don't, I can't tell you for certainty that it will not last. I can tell you statistically based on the couples that we've worked with, and this isn't necessarily research-based proven statistics, but just from our observations, is that the majority of affairs that happen 
do not continue long term. I mean, if you look at the research, like Dr. Beam has done looking into limerence and um, that's a word I don't know if we've used yet on this program, but you can find out more about it on our YouTube channel. But if you look into limerence and it's a type of, or it has a track life, right? I mean, it can last anywhere from what, six to 48 three, months? Three months to 48 months. Three months to 48 months or whatever. So there's that. And a lot of people cling to that, but what they don't understand, just like any research study, that's the, the averages, right? It can be shorter, it can be longer, but whether, if you're looking for hope, which I believe is what you're looking for, Amber. Maybe there's hope for our marriage. I think that's the real question that you're asking. Our answer is going to be yes, because we have seen it happen thousands of times. Do we believe it's going to last? Probably it will not. It might last for longer than you hoped that it would, but for a long term, hopefully it will not. But you can do the things that you need to do to work on saving the marriage from your perspective now, the pies that we've been talking about the whole program. I mean, those are the things. It sounds so easy. But Joe, you've heard it. The people who come to our workshops or after the workshop and they say the pies is what saved me. I'm not, I'm not exaggerating that. People say the pies saved me. I love it. Okay. And so very quickly, because we're you know, more than halfway through the program, explain again what the pies are for people that came in late. Sure. So at Marriage Helper, we know that there's four stages of falling in love, right? We're not going to get into all of that because the last three don't matter for many of you right now. The first one is the first stage of falling in love, which is attraction. It's the part of us that gets someone to stop and look at us and it attracts them to become closer to us. Now, typically when we think of attraction, we think the way someone looks. That is so not even the important parts of attraction. That's only one part. There's four parts of attraction, physical, intellectual, emotional, and spiritual. And all four of them are important. The most important of them is the emotional attraction, which most people don't even realize is a part of attraction. The things we teach at Marriage Helper, they go under this emotional attraction, being the safe place. Um, you know, a lot of the callers on today have been asking, well, do I implement boundaries? Do I implement consequences? The answers that we're giving back to them is all about, are you really thinking about how you can increase your emotional attraction? Which means, are you doing things that evoke positive emotions within your spouse to, make, to lead them to want to be around you in the way that you're treating them, acting towards them, even when they don't deserve it? So these pies are the four areas that you can focus on to regain your self-esteem, to regain your self-confidence. There's amazing things that happen from them, but ultimately most of what happens them, from them are mentally. The way that you begin to see things differently, see yourself differently, see your circumstances differently, see your spouse differently, see your situation differently is what makes the most amount of change within you. And if anything works to bring change in your marriage, then this will as well. But you do it first and foremost for you. So let's clarify something because I thought you made a really, really good point there. We've been talking about how to evoke positive emotions, mm -hmm. but when you allow yourself to be run over, mm -hmm. you allow the other person to do things they ought not do, like skip mm -hmm. making the mortgage payment. Sure. You're not evoking positive emotions within the other person. You're actually evoking mm -hmm. negative emotions because they lose respect for you. It's like, I can treat you any way I want. I can do whatever the heck I want to do and you're going to tolerate right. it. And so while you think, okay, but if I hold a person to the, to the, rules here mm -hmm. okay you're you're the dad you're the husband you mm -hmm. need to be paying the mortgage payment will it 
at least in the short term, evoke negative emotions? The answer is sure it will. But we're looking for not just the emotions that are evoked right now today. Mm-hmm. We're looking at the emotions that are going to be evoked long term. Right? right. Like the last caller, she said, I don't want to piss him off. Right. Mm-hmm. That's a negative. But if you're thinking long term, then do you want your spouse to look at you and say, well, I can get away with anything. I can treat her however or him however. No, because that's not even that I, I love that. And we're going to have to flesh this out a little more on a later program of, it's not the in the moment positive emotions that we're wanting you to look at. It's mm-hmm. the positive emotions that a marriage should have in an equal, respectful, I mean, all of those things happening in the marriage. That's what we're looking for sure. here. And to let a person do things they shouldn't be doing is not going to evoke positive emotions. Yeah. It actually evokes negative emotions toward you is because mm-hmm. I can treat you disrespectfully and you will tolerate it. Right. And so now we go to Suzanne in Massachusetts. Is it just my hair? Uh, Headphones, are you hearing static as well? It's raining outside. Oh, it's raining. Very heavily. Oh, we're in the middle of a big storm. Okay. I'm sorry about that, Suzanne. I was hearing static here. Mm -hmm. Can you hear us? Can you hear me? Yes, I can. Yes. How can we help you? Okay. Uh, Well, it's. I've been married for 27 years. We've been together for 28. He's um, in AA now. He's been six months sober. Mm-hmm. He's 54, so there's, I get this whole confusion about, you know, midlife crisis also. But he's been sober six months, and his coworker that he works with is the one who got him into the program, and she's two years sober, and they have now a connection. And then he's now having an affair with her. He moved out about a month ago. Hmm. So really, he's he's refusing to... to do the program. He won't share. He won't do anything in, in regards to working the steps or anything, or won't even get a real sponsor. And my confusion is because I'm going to Al-Anon, which, to be honest, between you guys and Al-Anon has saved my life, really. Um, they say limited contact and few words, stay calm, because he has this, he's angry, really angry at me, starts yelling at me, can't be on the phone for very long. So, I'm wondering if it's because of the sobriety, and I know that the first year is always the toughest, and limerence, could this last longer than normal, then, I guess? And it do I could. Do I make it more difficult? To, is it make it more difficult for me to attract him to come home? <laughs> it's kind okay, of I'm not sure I'm understanding understand the question. Are you understanding the question, Kimberly? Because I'm not quite Suzanne, sure. are you saying that because of what Al-Anon is saying about limited contact, is that going to make it more difficult for him to be able to come home? No. Well, it's a two-part question, I guess, is that okay. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to combine both my program and what you guys are, and I'm getting kind of mixed messages. Confused. I'm yeah. sure. And yeah, then I the other part imagine. is, yeah. And then mm-hmm. the other part is because he is, because of his sobriety and he's in this not clear headed, this phase that they come mm-hmm. talking about and limerence, mm-hmm. does that make it more difficult for me to work my pies and to, you know, attract him back to come back home? It should make it more difficult for you to do your pies mm-hmm. because the pies you do. Right. And you do the you. pies no matter how the other person responds because right. they are really for you. Mm-hmm. I have yeah. never been to Al-Anon, so I don't know what Al-Anon says about limited contact. I don't understand that. But if you're asking about smart contact, smart contact, I don't see how that would be in contradiction to it based on what I understand. 
Do you, Kimberly? Explain Smart Contact very quickly, if you will. Okay. Smart Contact is basically you are uh, – now I'm just really wanting to know what limited contact is, but okay. Okay, let's ask that question then. What, yeah. are they, what are they telling you about limited contact? What, what are you hearing from that? That I really shouldn't – I have to focus on me, which is some of what you guys – a lot of it is similar to what you guys are saying. But limited okay. contact, because he's so angry and because he is it, – it is just a revelation to me. And it's very disturbing that he's been verbally abusing me while he's been drinking. And I never realized it until recently mm-hmm. as I'm talking to people. So because of his verbal abuse and because of all that, limit my mm-hmm. contact with him because he's – He's angry. He doesn't talk to anyone else like that but me. No one has seen that, not even his new girlfriend. And how would you see that as being different than smart contact? Mm-hmm. Well, well, they tell me, would you recommend that I tell him that I'm hanging up when he's trying to yell at me? That recommendation? Well, do you recommend that? Yes, in a way. Is that okay. what they so recommend? Smart, so smart contact Briefly, the S stands for stop push behaviors. So you want to stop doing the things that could be pushing your spouse away. We have a YouTube video. I'm not going into that. M is for manage business items together. So what that means is you reach out to your spouse about things that make sense. So if y'all are communicating, I mean, if he's calling you about something, the house, kids, dog, I don't care what it is, or you're calling him where you're not... What this is saying is you're not just calling him to tell him how bad you feel that he's not there or whatever that might be. You're calling when it makes sense, when it doesn't necessarily just have to do with your relationship. It makes sense to contact them. Then in that, we go into the A, which is um, that you basically are, you allow them to talk to you. So if they're answering your calls, if you're in a conversation, you allow them to talk to you up until a point such as they begin to yell at you. Because you want to R, respond in a way that is strong and calm and gentle, right? If they begin yelling at you, accusing you, doing things that you can't handle, they're treating you disrespectfully, like Joe and I were just talking before we let into this call, then it is absolutely 100% appropriate for you to end that conversation. That's right. And you do not have to do it by yelling or screaming back. You simply just have to say, I understand that you're upset. I understand that you're hurt. I'm not going to allow you to speak to me that way. We can talk about this when both of us are back in a level-headed situation. And then you hang up the phone. You don't have to be mean about it. You're standing up for yourself. And then T is you take it one day at a time. So, you know, something that happened yesterday, he might have yelled at you. But today is a new day. Give him a chance to be a different person today. Give you a chance to be a different person today. So I don't know that it is different. It might just be a different way that they're looking at it. Um, from it what, sounds very compatible to me. It does sound compatible. They are probably looking at it without having to gone to an Al-Anon or, you know, Narcotic Anon. There's a ton of those groups for the spouses. Without having gone to any of those, I'm sure what they're trying to say is protect yourself. Mm-hmm. And we agree. You we should protect yourself. It's basically about being smart. That's right. Now, you and I did a, a series of videos on that. Any idea when they may be ready? Why would you ask me that live on air? <laughs> I thought you might know. Um, I mean, you are the boss. Exciting we all things are happening at Marriage Helper, including getting a new website. And after our new website launches tonight, then in the next couple of weeks, we'll be able to release the new A new series. website tonight? <laughs> yes. Right I'm far. looking forward to all the bugs we'll be hearing about tomorrow. 
Anytime you do anything new, there are bugs in it. Tonight in your prayers, please just remember. Uh, and so website. soon we'll be offering, it's about what, about an hour and a half, broken into several videos that you and I, it's about an hour and a half. Okay, yeah. our, our producer's saying that. Our, our producer who edited all of it is like, yeah, you guys <laughs> okay. would shut up. And we explain in that in that series, we'll explain Smart Contact in great, great detail. It's, an awesome, it's going to be an awesome toolkit. Yes, you need to get it when it comes out. Okay, but we're saying that we think it actually makes sense what they're saying. Mm-hmm. If if you're being mistreated, you can say, I, I'm not going to tolerate this. And you may not. But as Kimberly mm-hmm. said, you don't yell and scream back. Right. You always stay calm. Mm-hmm. You stay that's in control. And now we're going to Rachel over in Texas. Rachel, what part of Texas are you in, if I may ask? Um, New London. It's uh, in East Texas. Okay, so you're not close to where the tornadoes, you know, where the tornadoes last night, you weren't affected by that then. I just saw that. We did have a tornado warning here. Uh, There was one that touched down in Henderson, but it moved Mm. to Panola County. Her Dallas was horrible. Okay, Mm. but you're safe. That's what I was asking about. Yeah, I'm I'm safe out here. I had no electricity and no internet for a little bit last night, but Mm. it was okay. (laughs) Okay, and how may we help you today, Rachel? Well, long story short, I feel like I'm like the prodigal wife. This is the second time I've been in this situation and self-sabotaged myself into thinking that having an affair or cheating would make me feel better. Um, Mm -hmm. I want to save my marriage. There's been a ton of things go wrong. My husband keeps going back and forth with me. This time last week, we were laying in bed cuddled up together and talking about things, and two days later, he completely quit talking to me again, and he's very angry, I understand, but mm-hmm. the last words he said to me were, um, I don't care about what happens with you, all I care about is what happens with my children and I, and I'm done, and I don't want anything to do with you, and mm-hmm. right after that, he said, but I still love you, and I wish things could be different. Mm-hmm. How long I've has it been since he has known? Okay, yeah. When when did you end it? Oh. Um, in June, July. And when did you when did your husband know about it? He said he knew about it the whole time. And so and when did it start? Um, it officially started in May, whenever his mom died, and before that, um, he was assuming that I was doing things and I wasn't. I just made really close friends with somebody I shouldn't have. The okay. emotional affair type thing. And okay, so did you I have another affair? Because I misunderstood what you said earlier. Have you been in another affair as well? About five years ago, I cheated on him with a couple of different people um, over and a course of about, about three and a half And he knew and about he... that. I confessed everything to him. We got back together. We've he just refuses to go to any type of counseling or anything because he doesn't want to be picked mm-hmm. apart. Mm-hmm. And this past May, I, mm-hmm. I, I got a great He didn't. Okay. If I may ask, how old are you and your husband? I'm 32. He's 31. We've been married for nine years. Okay. And so how old are the kids? 13 to 11-year-olds. Uh, yours, mine, and ours there. And then we have two girls that are seven and eight. Okay. Mm-hmm. So if you've been together nine years, two of those children preceded your being together, correct? Um, three of them did, yes, sir. Okay. Three of them did. All right. So he still loves you. 
but he finds it difficult to trust you. And and he thinks that this is something that's going to happen again. Is that correct? Yes. Yes. And how do you make sure it doesn't happen again? I don't put myself in those situations. Okay. Again, but Rachel, it's more than that. There's some reason that you've done this. I mean, you said uh, back in the past it was more than one guy and then this guy here. So what is it? What is it, Rachel? There's something that, that – you're looking for that you don't have something that's setting this up. Any idea what that is? My husband would get really angry with me and just cut me off completely emotionally and emotionally abandoned me. So you're saying it's his fault. I'm not saying it's his fault. I'm saying we both played a 50, 50 role in this. He just kind of got angry about, Things and, and have you said that to him? Have you said that? Have you said that he's partly responsible for this? Have you told him that? Yes, and he's agreed to. He's like, yes, I understand that. And then he'll go back and he'll say, "This is all your fault. Everything happening right now. The reason I've lost my job. Everything going on with us is all your fault." And okay. he got verbally, mentally, uh, he got. He's been physically or never been physically abusive with me, and he got very verbally abusive mm-hmm. with me one day, and that ended up getting into. So let me ask you a question, if I may, Rachel. thing that happened. I went to the cops. Let me, let me and, ask you a question, if I may, Rachel. If if one of your kids did something wrong, whatever it might be, I mean something big, and when you were trying to deal with your kid about it, your kid said, "Well, you know, half of this is your fault," even if somehow you had contributed to it. How would you feel if the kid said to you that, you know, half of this is your fault? Would you think that kid was taking responsibility for his or her actions? Or would you think that they were only taking a little bit of responsibility and trying to pass it off to somebody else? How would you think? How would you feel? Probably the secondary that, you know, is trying to make it less about him or less okay. about everything. And I felt like I See, had I I, I think I know what you're saying about doubt. making it. I don't doubt that your husband contributed. I really don't. If he's been emotionally distant from you and those kinds of things, that does, those things do set up, set up. I'm having trouble talking today. They do set up vulnerability. So I'm not, I'm not denying his responsibility. But if you really want to rebuild a relationship right. with somebody, do you, I, what we have experienced is this. And Kimberly, tell me if you've seen it as well. Mm-hmm. We've seen it in a workshop all the time. When it sounds as if, I'm partly justifying what I do because what I'm saying is, well, yes, I take responsibility, but mm-hmm. it's also your fault. When we see those kind of situations, almost always the other spouse then has a really, really difficult time forgiving. Sure, because they they can't move past it. I mean, there there comes a point, and I don't know your husband, but I can just imagine, and this is what we've seen with other people, it's, well, if I somehow cause this, how am I supposed to move on? If this is partly my fault it it makes it more difficult. Whereas if the person who, what we call the offending spouse, whatever the offense might've been, when they completely forgive and, and own the part of their actions that they did without trying to place blame on someone else, it frees up the person who has been hurt to be able to say, you do understand, you do care, you are trying to empathize with me. And it makes it easier for that person to forgive, for both of them to let go and to be able to move forward with it. You know, one thing that was interesting that you said is he doesn't want to go to counseling or to a workshop or anything because he doesn't want to be picked apart. 
And that just really stuck out to me. And as she's speaking, I'm mm-hmm. thinking it kind of makes sense because if he feels like he's going to be interrogated, mm-hmm. how did you help this happen? What was your part in this? He doesn't want to feel those. I mean, he's already partly blaming himself. I can't mm-hmm. imagine how he would feel if he'd said, these people are want to know what I did even more. Mm-hmm. He just wants to be free. Mm-hmm. And if he's already anticipating it's going to be like that, mm-hmm. then it also indicates something about the way they're communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. So, so here's our recommendation. I mean, you obviously, as we tell everybody, you do what you think is the best thing to do. But here's our recommendation for this. When it comes to doing something that's been very painful as mm-hmm. an affair to the spouse, and, and almost always we see that the other spouse has contributed to the situation, mm-hmm. but we're not looking at the other person's fault. Mm-hmm. Because even if they contributed to the situation, ultimately, it was your decision. I mean, you made the decision to do this. And if you want to have any possibility of putting this back together, we strongly recommend that you don't say anything about his contributions to this. Right. There'll come a time later to deal with that, but not mm-hmm. now. Because right now, what you really want to do is say, it's my fault. I have some vulnerabilities. I'm discovering what those vulnerabilities are. I'm trying to learn. And if I need to go to counseling by myself to get help with those vulnerabilities, then I'll be happy to do so. Mm-hmm. But if you even imply in any shape, fashion, or form that somehow it's not all my fault, then basically what you're saying is I'm not taking full responsibility. And that makes it extremely difficult for the other person to forgive. So if you want to do this, it's going to be that. Right. right? So so summarize that one more time, because I think I I muddled it up there. No, I I thought you did a great job clarifying what I had said. Yes, when an offense, whatever it might be, has happened, the party who has been hurt, we understand there's things that go on on both sides, but the party who has been hurt by the actions of the other person, in this case, one, the wife had the affair, the husband was hurt by it. The wife taking full responsibility, I did this frees the hurt spouse up by saying, you get it. You have, I accept your apology. We can move forward because Mm. when you start trying to play the blame game, you're not going to stop playing the blame game. Mm -hmm. Because one thing that happens, and and we talk about this in our workshops that we do until the other person gets the feeling, the understanding that you know how bad this hurt me. Mm -hmm. It's almost impossible for them to move on. Right. And when it sounds like you're not taking full responsibility, it's like you don't understand how badly this hurt me. Right. And so now let's go from Texas to Minnesota. Hi, Susan. Are you there? Susan? Yes. Okay. How may we help you today, Susan? Um, you're talking with me right now, Susan. Okay. In Minnesota? Yes. I'm talking to you. Susan in Minnesota. That would be you, Susan. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, my husband and I have been together for 40 years. The last two and a half years, we've been on and off separated. We live in two houses on the same ranch. Uh, he got involved with an employee about a year and a half ago. Emotional affair, I'm not sure where all it had gone. Um, he isn't real, you know, upfront with it. Um, we have tried to work on a relationship, me doing it solo. We made a lot of grounds about three weeks ago. Um, he told me that I should move on with my life, that he didn't have anything to offer me. And so I did for the first time. I went online, I met somebody, and I told him several days later, I said, I'm going to be very upfront. I'm talking with somebody, and they're going to come and meet me this winter. And now all of a sudden, the man who is angry um, 
and pushed me away. All of a sudden, he's being nice as can be. Um, he's inviting me to come eat. He's helping me with things on the ranch. And he actually sat down at a meal and said, said a prayer last night because he, he ate a meal with me. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if all of this change is because I'm doing what he wanted by moving on and he feels free or if he's having second thoughts and just upset that I'm actually talking with somebody. Um, Like I said, we were together for 40 years, and his relationship with this employee has caused major destruction in our whole family. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's been been really hard, not just on me, but, but on the children and the grandchildren. Um, with everything that has transpired, because he has no relationship with them anymore. Mm. That's sad. Yeah. And so, so when it comes just, to what you do next, does it matter to you which motivation it is? I mean, you've given us two potential motivations. One is he's happy because I've done what he was going to do, and now he feels free. That's the first motivation you mentioned. The second motivation you mentioned is, oh, wait a minute, now he's saying that you actually may move on and is picking him back up. Does it really matter to what you do next? as to which motivation it is. I'm not sure I understand that. Okay. Kimberly, can you help me explain this better? Because apparently I'm not communicating. So if you knew, if you, if he were to sit down and say which one of those two it was for him, then would it change what you were going to do next? Yeah, it would. Because okay. I still In what love way? him. I've been very, very forgiving through all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, I thought at first that his business, which was really financially rough and he was stressed, I felt it was an escape with this woman. Um, But, um, you know, I I gave him all the benefit of the doubts that he was just not thinking with his full senses. But, yeah, I'm Mm -hmm. having a hard time figuring out what I should do right now. Um, if I should just keep doing what I'm doing, you know, talking to somebody and meet them this winter. Um, okay. you know, it's, Come it's a couple, make a couple of suggestions, if I may. So here's a quick question. Yeah. Are, you, are you still married to each other? Yes. Okay. So why would you want to go ahead and start talking to somebody else while you're still married? Why, why would you not deal with whether that marriage is going to end or not first? Well, he told me to move on after I've been working on it for two and a half years alone. Okay. So all I've done is talk to somebody. Okay. But if you're talking to somebody and this somebody's going to come see you this winter, then you're actually beginning the potential of a new relationship. Why would you do that before you go ahead and deal with this one? Now, it's obviously your your choice, but I'm saying if you're going to do that, if you're going to look at the potentials of starting a new relationship, why not go ahead and end this one and say to him, okay, if that's what you want, then we're going to need to go ahead and divorce because I'm not going to get involved with somebody else while I'm still married. That's what you did. And look at all the devastation that occurred. I'm not going to do that. And so if you want to find out what his motivation really is, I would suggest, now again, I'm not, I'm not God. I don't know everything, but I would suggest you look at him and say, if that's really what you want, then do you want us to go ahead and divorce now so that I'll be free that if I develop a relationship with this man or some other, that I can go ahead and marry him if I choose to. I'm thinking if you do that, and again, it's your choice, but I'm thinking if you do that, you're going to find out what the motivation is. If his motivation is, 
I just want to be free, go do those things. And you mentioned divorce. And he says, great, let's do that tomorrow. That's going to take you the motivation. If on the other hand, he says, oh, you want to divorce me because you might develop a relationship with somebody else? Mm, I'm not really sure I want to do that. Then you'll get the idea of the different motivation. When I'm not pro-divorce. I'm not trying to recommend a divorce. But I'm saying if you're going to start a relationship or even a potential relationship with another person, it would seem to me to make a lot of sense that you first deal with whether this one's going to continue or not. Would you agree or disagree with that? I would agree, even to the point of here's what's interesting. So the other things he's saying, you're questioning, like, you know, his intentions and motivations are different things. But when he says, well, just go ahead and talk to someone else, that's God's honest truth in this situation. I mean, I would I wouldn't do something just because he says to do it. Right. You have to. What do you want? Um, and then go from there. You know, I agree with Joe. You're married to him right now. Focus on this marriage. And I hope you get to the point where you find out the motivation. But even until then, continue doing the things you're doing because they seem to be working in some way to for at least y'all to have a decent relationship, especially if there's kids involved. You know, have him over. Have great conversation. That's going to be beneficial to you no matter which way this goes. But, again, what do you want? And that's what you should fight for. Okay. Thank you guys for all being here. Our time is up for this week. Uh, we will hope to be back here next Monday, assuming that this rainstorm coming through here now is not going <laughs> to blow not us. not flood, away. because I haven't been building an ark. But we, <laughs> you can always find us on YouTube, <laughs> youtube.com slash marriage helper. Please go and subscribe. We're releasing new videos every single week. And I want to take a minute to thank the whole team behind the scenes. You don't see them, but we do. Our producer, Jesse, who has Kleenex coming out of his nose right now because he's sick. <laughs> our producer, Jesse, our support team, Caroline, who's responding to comments, Cassie, who's screening calls, everyone here at Marriage Helper who's behind the scenes who helps make this happen so that we can speak to you and hopefully give you hope because that's what we're here for every single day. You can visit us at marriagehelper.com tomorrow. It'll be brand new. And you can call us at 866-903-0990. We can tell you more about our workshops, our online courses, and our coaching that we have for you, no matter what situation your marriage is in, no matter where in the world you live, we want to help you save your marriage. Yes, we do. Kimberly's done a tremendous job putting together this team she's talking about. All together, there's about 30 of us now, and she has built this amazing mm -hmm. team. She is the boss. I work mm -hmm. for her, and she's done a great job putting these things together. We genuinely care, and if mm -hmm. there's something you need that we don't offer, tell us. That doesn't necessarily mean we'll be able to do it, but we always want to find out more ways that we can do things to be assistance of assistance to people. Thank you for being part of this, and hopefully see you next week. <laughs>